Welcome to Talking Healthcare, the International Hospital Federation's podcast, bringing you insights from global leaders. This podcast series will feature healthcare leaders and executives from the IHF's global community, sharing their expertise, knowledge, and insights into cutting-edge topics in healthcare. On March 16, the IHF and the Africa Healthcare Federation will host a joint webinar examining how telehealth can be harnessed in healthcare systems in Africa to address disparities of care access and medical expertise. So for our first podcast in 2022, we'll be diving into the challenges and opportunities of telehealth for Africa's diverse healthcare systems. Hello, everyone. I'm Sharon Allen the Executive Director of World Telehealth Initiative. For those of you unfamiliar with WTI, we're a leading nonprofit organization working to advance sustainable access to healthcare. And we do this by connecting a network of volunteer medical professionals that respond to healthcare needs of our partner clinics and hospitals. We're currently serving 24 communities throughout the world. And I'm joined today by Dr. Ahmed Thakar, the founder and executive chairman of the African Healthcare Federation. The AHF is a pan-African umbrella organization striving to promote public-private partnerships to improve health outcomes for all Africans. Today, we're gonna be taking a deep dive into how the coronavirus crisis has provided a new context for the use of telehealth solutions in care delivery for Africa's healthcare community. Welcome, Dr. Amit. Thank you so much, Sharon. It's a pleasure to be here. Let me ask you, since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the biggest service shifts in the global healthcare sector has been the widespread adoption of telehealth, as well as being a viable option to provide continuity of care to patients during the coronavirus crisis. Telehealth has transformed how health systems can respond to chronic workforce shortages and optimize their clinical capacities. So in what ways have members of the African Healthcare Federation made progress towards the adoption of telehealth? You know, you touch a very important point. In Africa, we already, before the coronavirus pandemic, had workforce shortages and we're already trying to develop partnerships for clinical capacity and upskilling. But the pandemic revealed weaknesses when we had interruptions in supply chain, when we introduced the NPIs, those were restrictions of movements, curfews. Everyone needed to adopt some kind of connection to the community in order to have continuity of primary health care and services. So how have the members really adopted this? One fortunate part was that we learned what the world was going through before the virus actually hit Africa. So in the month of March and April, there was quick modeling around what the clinics and hospitals should be doing. Not only do we have the infection prevention control measures, but also how do we keep in touch with our patients who are also very reluctant to come to the hospital and clinics if they didn't have the infection. The members adopted some sort of a four-step model to promote telehealth. The first one was partnership. They started looking for reliable partners across the globe who could easily transform their own systems and have telehealth connectivity at a reasonable and affordable price. The second was implementing this 
in the ecosystem together with the ministries of health and through a regulatory process where licenses needed to be obtained and have a strong framework under which to operate. And the third was to start delivering and testing the services and get the health workforce to connect with their patients and their communities in a much easier way and hopefully have a follow-up. And the fourth step was evaluate, which many of the providers across the entire continent are currently documenting and adjusting based on the lessons learned. This four-step process has enabled us to get at least 10 to 15% extra services through telehealth across Africa. I think we can do much more, and we're looking forward to adopt this in a more comprehensive manner to make an impact for quality care at an affordable price. That's great to hear. It's amazing. I think of the adoption of telehealth as one of the silver linings, if you will, of the coronavirus pandemic. It it has really shed such a light on what it enables and has increased adoption tremendously. So let me ask you, telehealth actually has a huge potential to better humanize healthcare systems and work towards a more person-centric healthcare experience. It's interesting, you know, talking to providers that are new to telehealth through the pandemic, we've Mm -hmm. had providers say, when a patient previously came in, they just go to work and start poking and prodding. But now with the adoption of telehealth, this one provider was saying, now I'm actually talking to my patients and really understanding their concerns or their needs. So it's some people think of technology as a barrier to the humanization of healthcare, but we're seeing the opposite in many cases. With your experiences with the AHF, in what ways do you believe COVID-19 has influenced the patient experience and helped with the humanization of healthcare in Africa? That's a very good question, Sharon. And honestly, we seem to have exactly the opposite experience. We need to start working and walking this journey. Africa as a continent has a very different culture when it comes to human contact and human connection. It's pretty clear that most of Africa believe from its own traditional self to have contact with health workers. That's when they feel they've been treated. And if you even see the cultural engagement, shaking hands is part of greeting. And that's how you get involved and see that you've met your friends and family. And so humanizing the healthcare piece is not yet embedded in Africa. In fact, it's still seen as a barrier. And one example was as soon as the curfew was lifted in many parts of the country, there were loads of patients who wanted to get back to the clinic, to the primary healthcare center. And as soon as they knew it was safer, they would rather walk to the clinic and engage with the doctors. So we've not seen that being taken up quite effectively, but I believe that the younger generation in Africa are going to pick this up pretty well. They're not the ones who frequently use the clinics and the facilities. The older folk do that. So we've got slightly, Sharon, a different experience uh, from the story that you were telling, but I'm hoping we'll move towards that direction. So it's interesting that the example I gave was with a United States practitioner, but we have recently launched a program in a remote village in Nigeria 
And to your point, I will say, I think we spent nearly nine months of educational outreach in that village to acclimate the residents to the theory behind telehealth. And so we had medical students, you know, go out with their cell phones and they could sit with the residents and beam into a device, you know, maybe in California Mm -hmm. or wherever. And, and just in a very casual manner, show those residents, you know, what telehealth is and how it works and just have a chat side by side. That's obviously very labor intensive, but you're absolutely right. And there's cultural considerations that need to be overcome and addressed. And then we also went so far as as when the devices were on site in Nigeria, we had an unveiling ceremony with the device and invited the community to come. And I was able to beam in and several people attended and they could ask questions and just sit there in a very calm environment, not when they had a medical or healthcare need, but just a conversation. And it was very interesting. So like I said, it took about nine months of preparation for this effort to really feel comfortable for those residents. And I'm sure we still have work to do. So it's interesting perspective regarding humanization. And thank you for sharing your perspective on that. Another question Mm -hmm. for you. The integration of telemedicine in healthcare systems is certainly not immune to challenges. There's, you know, we see ethical issues or technological issues. There may be organizational barriers and certainly legal and regulatory barriers. You know, we talked a little bit about cultural barriers and even financial barriers. So What do you believe are the most significant challenges to the adoption of telehealth in Africa? And how might you suggest that these challenges can be alleviated? Actually, that's a really top of the mind question right now in Africa. We have different opinions about which are the key steps to integrating this into the healthcare systems. But I think overwhelmingly, it's the regulatory framework. If we get the framework right, then we can plug in the legal, the technical, the quality, the appeal process, and so on and so forth. As a continent, we are you know, very concerned about counterfeits and substandard products, which are still a challenge in the country. And we don't want counterfeit and substandard telehealth. It'll just complicate the entire health system. So who should do it? How should they do it? What are the limitations of what they should do? And how do you verify who's behind a device that's offering some advice for a fee, ensuring that they are qualified? In accredited health facilities, you have a whole register with licenses of healthcare workers who everyone in the facility gets to know. Very difficult for someone to be a counterfeit doctor or a nurse. So the regulatory framework will tie into lots and lots of these ideas. We are now issuing licenses in countries where we never had telemedical providers. In Kenya, we've issued 72 licenses. And now the regulator, which was regulating hospitals and clinics, have the mandate to regulate and oversee the telemedical providers. We now have call centers that are being manned by health workers, which never existed. And I'm beginning to agree that the framework will hinge onto all these key points that you mentioned. And how do you take the liability? That's another one, Sharon. 
if something does go wrong during a practice of telehealth care, who gets, who takes the liability and who ultimately is responsible for the adverse side effects or untoward effects of the patient? So that's my view, Sharon. I'm currently working with the World Health Organization on a roadmap of telehealth for the underserved and the the considerations that have to go into it and really trying to establish a protocol for the world with telehealth, because there are considerations that are extremely important, patient privacy and, and all of that. So, you know, as we move forward and see, you know, what is working in some of the countries that are steps ahead of us, what hasn't worked, at least we can use those learnings to hopefully land upon, you know, best practices and avoid any of, you know, unfortunate things that could happen with no regulation whatsoever. So this is certainly an area that I'm sure we'll be seeing, you know, changes and growth in and hopefully keep us all on track. Exactly. Good to know that, Sharon. Yes. Looking forward to that roadmap that will help I'm sure many of these challenges also are a challenge to developed nations and everyone's, I think, building the ship as they sail. That's exactly right. And with the pandemic, when there was such a rapid adoption, even in the United States, they Mm. relaxed a Mm -hmm. lot of the existing regulations. And then it was, you know, kind of laundry, should they continue the relaxed protocols or should they tighten it back up to where they were? And there's still controversy about that because we want to enable this technology and what it allows. Yet, of course, we have to keep patients safe and all of the rest of that. So lots to be considered there. That's so true. And, you know, I'm thinking some subsectors of the health system delivery, like radiology, and pathology, they'll be leaders and they'll probably provide an incredible amount of enhancement in the health systems. And then some will be more difficult, like, you know, for surgery and maternal, you know, those kind of things might be so more difficult. So it will find its space and that roadmap will clarify which particular subsectors will take the lead in telehealth. You're absolutely right. Even when we start with launching a new program with World Telehealth Initiative, we recommend that they start with a few use cases that we know are most comfortable. And from there, you know, once you get those patterns and that understanding, you know, telehealth then can continue to grow in their practice. So that's absolutely right that, you know, kind of start small, see what works and then Mm -hmm. grow once you have a greater knowledge. One more point in Africa I want to mention is this fear of cost. Over the past many years, they've always thought new technology that comes in might increase cost of care. There is absolutely no room for that with limited resources on the continent. So there's also that fear, will this add value or will it remove the value that's already being provided for with the limited resource for the care that's going in? So it's a concern because repeat care and going back to where you think you should have received the right treatment can actually be inefficiencies in the telehealth system that people will lose hope that this was a solution, but it's more of a problem. Right. It's when we think of how it can be a cost savings, when you think of the patient, you know, having to go great distances to Mm -hmm. see the provider and get the expertise that they need, you know, there's certainly a cost to that. 
or for the provider with that expertise to travel, you know, to so many places to serve those needing their expertise, that cost is alleviated. And so the studies that have been done certainly show that there is, you know, a return on investment for healthcare. With World Telehealth Initiative being that we're a nonprofit we are hopefully providing a solution for very, very minimal cost. And that way we work with the ministries of health and mm -hmm. certainly get their blessing for the work when we start a project in their country. But also we invite them to have eyeballs on our program so they can really get a sense of what telehealth may enable on a greater basis throughout their country. A lot of it I is seeing it and and really doing, you know, having a deeper understanding so those decisions can be made and so the value is really apparent. So one more question for you before we leave. When we look forward to a post-pandemic scenario, what do you believe are the greatest opportunities that telehealth can offer for healthcare systems in Africa? There are two big barriers, the geographical and the financial. You've actually touched on, that's a great opportunity, the geographical bar barrier, when it's reduced, that opportunity of having basic primary healthcare services efficient enough to get services from one point to the other and have the supply chain coming from the central stores or the wholesalers and pharmaceuticals moving to the patient are the two big opportunities that can in the primary healthcare space. I think that for Africa is key. The diagnostics is the third one that I'll bring here. And point of care diagnostics blended in with telehealth will dramatically improve the primary healthcare services and bring affordability. Before we go into now the AI and more sophisticated services in secondary and tertiary care. So from Africa, the opportunity is the three points at primary healthcare services. I certainly agree with that. So to conclude, thank you, Dr. Amit, for joining me today. I believe that globally telemedicine is the future of medicine and Africa is certainly no exception. We have limitless possibilities to provide much needed healthcare services to an ever-increasing population, irrespective of the location. So this has been an insightful session and I hope our audience has had opportunity to take away new ideas about how to harness the power of telehealth. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you would like to learn more about how telehealth is improving access to care in Africa's healthcare systems, join Dr. Amit and Sharon on March 16th for a special webinar presented by the International Hospital Federation, Africa Healthcare Federation, and World Telehealth Initiative. Register for this free webinar on www.ihf-fih.org today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and head on to Anchor, Apple, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Make sure you will never miss an episode from us. For more information on the International Hospital Federation, you may visit www.ihf-fih.org. Goodbye!